Hello. Oh, hi, Merlin. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> oh, I heard nothing. Ooh. <laughs> it's still clickier than I would like, but boy, <laughs> now it mutes, baby. Mute. Yeah, you'll get it muted. Uh, what, what you're hearing and not hearing, thank you for tuning in to Dan Benjamin's Back to Work program. You're hearing <clears throat> Proco Sound, uh, Proco Sound, CD, PB Panic Button, uh, Microphone Routing Box. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Microphone Routing Box. Yes. <clears throat> That's under Musical Instruments. The Panic Button. Ah, ah. Better? Much much better. It's silent. It's quiet. Our friend of the show, uh, uh, Jim Metzendorf, had a, had a good time with this week's rec discs, uh, pulling out each time that I would unsuccessfully unsuccess- <laughs> use the rolls. Mike oh, switch. Yes. Apparently, uh, he picked up some signal from Syracuse that he should boost the signal heavily for a comic effect. So there's several times where you can hear me go. Oh. My cough's almost gone, except for mornings when I do podcasts and the rest of the time. Right, just the mornings and the rest of the time that you're awake. <clears throat> yep, 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 but I'm getting yeah. there. Getting there. I feel good. It's Tuesday. It's the optimistic day. I feel good about that. I mean, who can complain? It's the, who, it's who'd listen? Who would listen, listen anyway? How are you, Dan? Oh, good. We only talk once a week. I don't know what you're doing. All right, uh, same, same stuff. Same old, uh, same uh, nonsense, different day. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty Dan, much. why'd your power? Why'd your power go out? What's going on? I don't know. I wasn't here when it went out. I you got here when and, it went out. And uh, do you um do you feel like Austin or where you are? Do you feel like that? How does that compare to Florida? Because I feel like I remember in Florida the power was just off a lot of the time. Yeah, no, in Florida the power was always out. Um, we we had the last house that I lived in in Florida seemed to be even worse. Uh, than than other places in Florida, in that sometimes just our house would be off, uh, and and our next door neighbors and the neighbors across the street would be on, and apparently we were on some circuit that was connected to something else, and they had mm-hmm. always told us, oh well, if you leave live near a fire department, and there was one just outside of our development, like walking distance, easy walking distance, few as as you would say, a few blocks. Uh-huh. They said, "Oh, you'll never you'll never have power problems because you're right because there. you're uh, you're living under the umbrella of uh, firepower." Yeah, but that uh turned out to not be true. Oh. And we were without power always, all the time, every day. So, the umbrella of firepower. Well, you know, one thing that's on on my mind, grapes. Boy, you know, sometimes we talk about infrastructure. I'm very interested in the idea of infrastructure. I don't want to yeah. go into the whole thing, but it is so wild this confluence of things that are kind of coming over my transom, including uh, Dan's power going off. I think about Florida. I think about what happened in Iowa. Uh, infrastructure is not what it used to, not what it used to be. <laughs> um, there's a good new podcast. I think it's, uh, I don't know how this ended up in my feed, but uh, there's a podcast I was li- literally just listening to. Uh, latest episode of a podcast called LBJ and the Great Society. And I will put it into show notes, and it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's basically about uh, LBJ's years, touches on stuff, obviously, like the Vietnam War, but it's mostly about his promise to uh, create the Great Society and do the war on poverty. And mm. I just listened to the uh, episode where he brings in Sergeant Shriver and basically like says, you're going to do this. This is your... I'm going to give you a million dollars. You have to make poverty go away. Oh, also, you're still running the Peace Corps that you created because <laughs> um, he's Johnson and everybody's scared to death of him. But, you know, it is pretty wild to think about from that time. It's easy to like 
it's easy to leave out important facts about life when making these comparisons because it's it's way too easy to just put two things next to each other. The space race, but though, let's be honest, to go from 1961 to 1969, mm. where we were in 61, to, to Kennedy making that speech to 1969, unbelievable. Uh, a spoiler alert, LBJ and Sergeant Schreiber did not eliminate poverty entirely, but they did a, a pretty amazing amount of work. And a lot of the social programs that we consider part of just being um, a citizen for now all came up you know, during the Johnson years. Infrastructure is hard. It's always been hard, but there's been times when we got stuff done. I know it's more complicated than that, but it is pretty wild that <laughs> Iowa can't figure out how to count votes in their boneheaded caucus. And, and then there's, there's sometimes the power goes off. Sometimes or, the power is just out. A, you have a little litter robot you got for Christmas for your cat that has had uh, two distinct, extremely um, uh, technical errors that you're having trouble fixing. Mm. Technical errors with a cat box, Dan. Mm-hmm. Infrastructure is hard, is what I'm trying to say. No, no I hear you. I'm... I spend a lot of time, and the cat won't even use it yet. It won't use part. it. Won't use it. Not interested. We put her in there while she's peeing somewhere else. So sometimes it catches a little bit by accident. And, and just if you're curious, this thing was not inexpensive. And so I'm going back and forth. But I understand that infrastructure is hard. And I, but like one should, if one has purchased a premium cat litter box, I feel like I feel like after a month and a half, one should not still be sitting on the floor every night cursing as you power cycle it over and over, trying to get it to, to work. No. Infrastructure is hard is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, <laughs> when you get something for an animal, it's not like you can tell the animal that you want them to use it. You have to just hope that they will use it. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't, yeah. you can show it to them. You can put them inside of it or on it or give it, put it right in front of them. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes a, they're more interested yeah. in the box than the thing that you got them. Which oh, is now you're getting into a whole thing here mm. with me, mm -hmm. just for what it's worth. And I, I think you're actually making an extremely important point. Um, perception. Perception is, is just so different. The way that we try to understand or the way that we personify or anthropomorphize things in our life to try mm -hmm. and, you know. Our liz when our lizard is sitting on his heating rock, basking, he's not really smiling, but he looks like he's smiling. Right. They look, they look happy. People are so look at the dog smiling. The dog, there's an interesting thing that they actually did a little bit of a study on, on the dog thing mm. with the dogs oh. looking like smiling. And that, that is the, the dogs are typically, they're seeking praise. They want to be made to feel good. Like all living things, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And oh, it it's turns important to dogs to feel like they're part of a group. They want to be in the group. They want to hang out with you. They want to feel good. <clears throat> and so it, it, it makes sense. Dogs are very, very good. And this is well-documented in study. Dogs are very, very good at detecting their owner's response to something, even very, very subtle responses that, that a human being wouldn't notice. This is why they, they have dogs who can help people who have, for example, um, uh, seizures or something. They, they can detect they can smell. They can smell anxiety. They can smell sure. cancer. There's right. all kinds of stuff. A dog's sense of smell is mind-blowing. Yeah. So when people say like, oh, dogs like me, dogs don't like me, that can come down. I believe that can come down to not just simply things like posture. It's how the dog's handler reacts when the person walks by. In, in a way that- they can sense that. That they can sense, right. They can sense all they that can stuff. sense, like, you know, that phrase flop sweat. Like when you feel yourself like getting anxious. Yeah. I think, I, I, now I don't know if this is as scientific as your science. But I've heard it said that, that there is a, a different, I guess, maybe what I would say, probably more, more acrid smell 
that nobody could detect, but I guess that a dog can. Mm-hmm. Or like my wife's, my wife's sense of direction. She must have a magnet in her nose. I don't know how she knows where she's going. John Roderick, John Roderick always knows like which way a direction is. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I, in San Francisco, I still have to go, is this an avenue or a street mm-hmm. to figure out what, which way is north. And I'm sitting there looking at, waiting for my lift to come. And I, I, I don't know which way to turn to make my phone be the right map. No, I know, I know, but that. a dog would know that. A dog, a dog or John Roderick. If John Roderick, a dog and my wife got together, <laughs> they could be in a van solving a lot of crimes. <laughs> and I would say, where are you? And they'd say, well, we're north. And I'll say, I don't know where north is. Hey, what's north? What is north? That's a, get, is don't that, give me an arbitrary direction. North is different from up, because in space, no, no one can hear you ask for directions. So that's from the first Alien movie. <laughs> it's the first one in the 80s. Boy, the Oscars were good. Did you watch the Oscars? <clears throat> no, I didn't. Damn, they were good. I heard was, they were that great. That was the first good Oscars in a really... Not everything was good, but a lot of it was so good. I heard now, it was yeah, don't a great you, one. Well, hold on. I have know, more to say about the dog thing. The thing about dogs... So is, is, uh, there's science about this, <laughs> and you look at your dog, and your dog wants to wants to be part so it of looks a group so the dog intercourse the dog sitting there and it looks it looks like it's smiling right so what like do smiling what do typically what do dog owners do when their dog does something that they want the dog to do they reward it oh you can say what you what you what you right so there are or or you praise the dog in some way you pet the dog you say oh he's yep. smiling he looks happy give him a little roll he thinks he thinks he's people so. Dogs very quickly, or after a few times doing that, realize, oh, wait a minute, that time I was doing that thing, my owner gave me something I wanted, which could be praise or whatever. So they, they eventually figure out, this is their science, this is not me making this up. No, no, They this eventually is no. figure out that the thing that they did is related to the praise or the reward. So they mm-hmm. do it again, and then they get praised again, and they do it a third time, and they get praised again until eventually they realize... Whenever I do this thing, if my owner sees it, I get a reward. So mm-hmm. guess what they start doing? They know mm. that I had this, I was doing this thing with my mouth and for whatever <laughs> reason I got praised for it. So I'm going to do that thing again. I got praised again. So they, if quote unquote, smile when they find out that they're going to be rewarded They're like an AI. It. They're like an AI. No better than an AI. No, better than an AI. But the thing is that they've made an association. They produce the desired result. <laughs> What's this and now picture? there's an association, <laughs> right? Yes. That's how a Tesla works, right? So go beyond that. They've actually figured out that that trait, just like all other, what we, what owners, dog owners would consider to be positive traits, that that becomes a positive trait that then owners want to breed, they, oh, the I chances of the dog that oh, smiles. It's a long con. It's a long con. Yes. Yeah. The, the chances of the dog that smiles getting bred is heavier <laughs> than uh, or bigger than the dog that doesn't smile getting bred. <laughs> so it, sense. they're actually breeding dogs that look like they are smiling. Even oh, though, my goodness. This is known. Yes. Huh. I read an article yesterday about dogs that was saying that the dogs actually can, can, there is a dog equivalent of laughing. There's a certain kind of sound or bark that they make that's laughing. And they figured this out. And then that, now they're playing, they're playing this sound of dogs laughing in kennels and other places where dogs are, are kept. Uh, and they've found that the sound of dogs laughing makes the dogs that are in the kennels alone or sad or depressed or whatever, it will make them not only perk up, but they too will laugh and, Turns and show out. Yes. This is so, why you have to sell out every comedy show or the it's laughing not dog. as funny. 
Yeah. You got you consider the laughing dog. It's like that David Foster piece. Mm-hmm. Cons- um, well, that's wild, Dan. I didn't know. You, I didn't know you knew so much. I don't think of you as a dog science person, let alone a dog person. Ne- I'm neither. You've got some pretty deep. Ca- okay, you're just a sponge for uh, for data. Data sponge. Lieutenant Commander Data. Lieutenant Commander Data Sponge. Now I have a. I'm going to go a little uh, a little Merlin on you here. Yeah. And I'm going to make a podcast recommendation. Oh. I found it. You, you don't listen to podcasts. What are you? I about? I don't listen, you listen to, podcasts, to podcasts in years. But. You used to listen to podcasts. My fish guy, the guy at the uh, Whole Foods who, who gives me the salmon, <laughs> the ma- made a podcast. fish guy? Yeah, he Did made a podcast. dog science and fish guys? <laughs> he made a podcast recommendation for me. I... And, uh, and I, you know, it's, it's unlike me to take any recommendation from anyone ever. Hmm. But I did, and it it proved itself to be so good. There is a podcast called hmm. Fall of Civilizations. Oh, look at this. It is fallofcivilizationspodcast.com. It's in our show notes. It looks like it's available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Anywhere you get your podcast. So the the um, creator of the podcast is a guy named Paul Cooper. And, uh, well, he goes by Paul M.M. Cooper. Uh, and um, and he... Mmm. Uh, mmm, Cooper. He's the... He's George ver- He's Martin. very, very British. But don't hold that against him. I'm not gonna. Um, I mean, Honest. it's hard not to, but try because they, if you can get they the, messed up a lot of stuff. The guy is a is a PhD. Mm. Uh, he's an author. More like piled he, higher and deeper, am I right? Ooh, he's written for like <laughs> you know New York Times, BBC, The Atlantic, National Geographic, All Discover. He's a big dude in the writing. He's working on a second novel, but. This is one of those podcasts where it's very, very well written. Um, it's if if lore uh, didn't have the annoying background music and was about civilizations that fell by a British person. That's the gist of what this is. It's very, that's very good, well. That's a good sell. That's a good sell. Very well researched. <clears throat> very thoughtful. Uh, and and if you're looking for a jumping in point, let me tell you the episode that I started with that I just so enjoyed. It is episode number six, Easter Island, where giants walked. And it talks about, if I were to ask you, Merlin, yes, what, what happened on Easter Island? You might Easter s- Island, there's a guy, there's a guy that had some logs and stones <laughs> and a carving tool and a, a lever. Yeah. And he moved the world. Right. You got the big, the big tall heads of something or somebody, they... Well, the common so, thought yeah. is that is that they deforested the island and caused their own demise as a civilization. Hmm. But at least if you listen to this episode, that doesn't seem like the case at all. And he's done this intense research that shows all the different things that could have happened there. And he presents his conclusions, and it's but he tells it as a story of oh, what happened this. there. This it's is really exactly good. the kind of thing I love. The one I'm listening to now is episode four, the Greenland Vikings land of the midnight sun, which tells the story, which is very funny in some parts about how Greenland became Greenland and the Vikings that lived there and the story behind it and why they failed as a a civilization. It's so cool. It's so cool. So highly recommend this one. Rare for me to recommend. Easter Island where giants walked. And there's only nine episodes so far because I think each episode takes him like yeah. twelve years to make. So it's, the good the good podcasts take take a, a lot of work, like ours. They're, it takes a huge amount of work. We don't add it for content because we don't need to. You know don't, the thing who is needs once that? you get when you get good at it, you don't need to add it. That's the thing. That's the thing. You have an editor that. editing your other show. We don't even edit this show. 
Don't even need to. Who needs don't, it? Don't need a reason. No. Uh, where Giants Walk, I've bookmarked that. I also put into notes. Um, I also put into notes. I need to clicking. The, uh, LBJ and the Great Society. Uh, gave you the overcast link for that. And I also um, put in the top 15 Star Trek fan fiction ships. <clears throat> and that's on StarTrek.com. And it's all the people who wrote stories about uh, different people on Star Trek making out. Love it. Da- the number 13 is uh, Data and Jordy LaForge. And my, my daughter and I think they should get, they should take the cat and go start a bed and breakfast. Wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> if they had a bed and breakfast. Oh, welcome to the quiet corn. Just, I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm Commander Data. Data, so Georgie, and Spot. And there you go. Let's see, number four, Spock and Uhura, Bashir and Garak. Um, Jane, oh, man, Janeway and Chakotay. Janeway and Seven of Nine. Wow, put the tarp down for that one, buddy. And then number one, of course, any combination of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy from Star Trek, the original series, and the Kelvin Timeline films, 23,267 fan fiction ship stories exist. So if you want to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, middle-aged, uh, middle-aged actors making out, but writing about it, you could do that. Mm-hmm. And to find any of this, you go to show notes for, um, uh, you're going to go to show notes for episode diggity uh, 464 of Dan's. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode diggity 464 of your back to work program? Uh, it's going to be back to work dot limo slash 464. <laughs> Oops. Oh, stepped on my stomp box. I got to get used to that. I even put it on the floor like you do. Like you, dad, I learned it from watching you. See, it's got to be on the floor. That's where you get to control. Yeah. You get to do a little foot. I like hitting you it with my hand like this. Ah, like I'm punching in on uh, on like Jeopardy or something. You can't play a pipe organ unless you know how to do your footwork on those pedals. No, no, no. If, if, if you want to hear a pipe organ, somebody's going to have to blow. That's what, I, that's what my dad used to say. He was he was not a church man. No. Uh, <laughs> Didn't that's spend all, a that's lot of time <laughs> in the church. <laughs> I'm a little silly. I'm a little silly. I've been watching... Um, I think did I tell you this? I know I told you this. I I, I found this thing, and um, I'm I'm being a little bit provocative, trying to really encourage John Roderick to watch this whole genre of YouTube videos I've discovered. That I think I think we might lose him if he discovered these. He probably already has, but you know, there's always stuff about RVs out there. A lot of times they're put out by people who sell new RVs, but you've also got people who uh, resell old RVs. But the part I love is really getting into, it's kind of like tiny house culture, but for vehicles. And so there's this whole genre of people who have turned cargo vans into secret stealth campers or people who have like bought, there's this amazing woman who bought a really old, um, uh, I think, is it a Winnebago? I think a commander for like mm-hmm. 1900 bucks. That's like 30, 34 foot long. <laughs> and she's like totally redone the whole thing. They're so addictive. And then that gets in. Have you gotten into the tiny house stuff at all? People I mean, just tiny, a little bit. Houses? I actually was researching it in theory for my, uh, my brother-in-law who haven't been, I, I, I want him to get one. He doesn't need one or want to get do a that, tiny but, house. Yeah. But, but I want him to, cause he a could. A lot of it is just Instagram food title. You know what I mean? A lot of it is just like, uh, you know, hey, I live in a stairwell. Really? Yeah, I, I get water twice a week. It's cool. I'm really into it. I get a lot. I can only get a lot accomplished. But honestly, there is this one. I, I don't need, I'm trying to think of a good gateway drug to get people started. Uh, there's one with this delightful lesbian couple in their incredible uh, redone RV with plants going all over the roof. It's incredible. Uh, those are really good. The ones that are kind of about people's relationships can be fun. 
Um, but uh, what was the one I was going to suggest? Oh, yeah, there's this woman who lives pretty much in a stairwell in Japan. It's, it's really wild. Um, anyway, um, tiny houses. I'm looking at my history. Richard Hatch has a video out about Survivor. Uh, Key and Peele insult comic. I watch a lot of YouTube. Jiminy Christmas, look at all of this. Okay, Van Tour 2019 Sprinter Conversion, Full Shower Kitchen. Oh, yeah, it's these ladies. I'm going to put this in notes. Did you tell people where to go to find show notes for episode Diggity 464 of your Back to Work program? Yeah, backtowork.limo slash 464 is the place Oh, that's, to that's go right. That. That's right. I'm, I'm still getting used to that. I don't mind. We'll say it, say it 10 times. Yeah, yeah. So, say station it, so station wants us to do our call signs eight times an hour. So It's almost like praying. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I and do. And they like you to do the URL three times now. That's kind of weird. Well, I'm having a tough time with that one. People mm-hmm. love you doing the URL three times and it's so hard. Mm. And then it always makes you think of that song Maria from West Side Story. Sometimes I'll say that, I'll add that. It's an Easter egg for you, the listener, when I say, say it three times and it's almost like praying. Mm-hmm. That's me having a little fun at the sponsors, you know, <clears throat> um, on their bill, really. I've just met a girl named Maria. You know what I'm saying? Mm. There's a lot of very interesting rhythms in West Side Story. <laughs> okay, I put that in notes. Uh, 2019 Sprinter Conversion, Full Shower Kitchen Garage and Open Concept. They're so cute. Um, hey... How's it going? Hey. I'm still getting over this. Uh, did you get the dog peeing? Yeah, I looked at that. What's the Isn't story adorable? There? Yeah. I don't know. Just an adorable uh, tweet. Took my dog to the beach to piss. And it's this guilty looking dog peeing on a beach. It's really cute. But it doesn't look like it's smiling. It looks like it's ashamed. That's another thing dogs seem to have picked up on. When they put their head down like that, when they realize they're the one they ate the pillow. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know. You know, was it smiling? No, 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 no. But I guess I'm trying to, I haven't done the science like you have, the science mm. of dog. But like you say about like, oh, they, they make an association. I think dogs also have a tremendous sense of shame. I definitely think animals that live in that close connection with people yeah. will eventually feel shame. I hope so. All dogs are from Ohio and go to heaven. Did you want to tell me about something you like? Yeah, sure. I would love to tell you about Squarespace. Oh, hang on. Get it up. Squarespace. Squarespace. Do you want to, do you want to talk about it first? Sometimes I feel like I sure. don't give you enough of an opportunity. I feel like that all the time. <laughs> uh, you want to try and just do it off the dome? Yeah, do it off the dome. Um, uh, this week's episode of uh, Back to Work is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn uh, more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash it's your show. One word. No question mark. Leave off the question mark. Yeah, That's I mean, say it, as, say it like you mean it. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> the Squarespace. You get your free trial from the Squarespace. And the Leonard Bernstein estate will sue my butt to hell. The Squarespace. <laughs> hey, kid, you want to make a website? Go to squarespace.com. Plans start at $12 per month. Um, uh, I want to go make a Squarespace site. Uh, I could be cool with a Squarespace site, 24 by 7, support award winning. You can get it with the Squarespace site. Um, oh, wait, hang on. I want to do quintet. Uh, tonight, my Squarespace site tonight. And I'll drag and I'll drop to the site because you could promote your online business, promote your brick and mortar <laughs> business, or make a gallery. 
You could sell any kind of product. I don't know if they check if it's legal or not, but you could sell it on Squarespace slots. Get yourself a Squarespace slot. Uh, and then let's see, how do we want to wrap it up? Let's see. Um, oh, tonight, tonight, you'll make a Squarespace site. If you don't, we will know. And you're banned. You're banned by getting IP banning. And me here, Camper Standing, will make things good tonight. You go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. And they need to use the offer code. Uh, it's your show, one word. They'll, that'll get them their uh, free trial with no credit card required. I mean, you, you, I, I don't want to ruin the song. You've got a whole feeling going. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> let's see. Uh, let's see. Pivot to some other uh, Sondheim. Um, phone rings, door chimes, in comes Squarespace site. <clears throat> Squarespace, 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 baby, Bobby, booby. Squarespace makes a site for you. Be get on the internet. Squarespace site. <laughs> I want to go get a Squarespace site. And really, that's how it works. It's fun. You go and you do it. You can put your stuff on there. If you have any problems, you can email them and they'll email you right back. It's not like having a litter robot. No offense. Uh, keep that rocket in your pocket with Squarespace. Build it beautiful. That should cost seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Do you think that? Do you know what the licensing is going to cost? Give them that for the music alone. Do you know what that's going to cost them? I think that was. In, it was in, in the legal term. Judge Wapner would say it's created a bailment. It's created a bailment. We we. It's like when you drop off your car or you or you operate on someone's behalf, as if a Sergeant Schreiber on two an LBJ. And uh, there's uh, there's there's a new group of uh, lesbian gals in a van who are really into LBJ, and they're called the uh, LBJ QTs. <laughs> oh, stop it! No, off the dome, baby. No, build it beautiful. No. Build it beautiful. <clears throat> I say no. LBJ QTs. <laughs> was the That's setup for funny. that back all the way? I mean, has this been they like love, a long oh, con? All man, like the I'll dogs? tell you, if you see Chekhov hanging on the wall in Act mm. One. He's probably going to be dinging around with Sulu by Act 3. It's called Chekhov's fan fiction <laughs> gun. Act 1. Ah, I think I'll be better by next week, probably. You know? I got You're like fully oh, I healed? I had some crazy snot today. It was really bad. With green? Yeah, green. Green, crusty. Basically, I made like a Rorschach. It was pretty bad. I used mm. a paper towel. It was that bad. I needed the extra, what did I say, viscosity of a paper towel. Mm. Really get in there. You know what I'm saying? Isn't it too abrasive, the texture of the paper towel? Not to me. Not to me. I, I've been, it's like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm like uh, Benzini, you know, drinking the poison a little bit over time. Mm, yes. Yeah, so you know sort they of, say, you know what they say. But I don't I think never, it works that way with the mucous membrane. Land war in Asia, mucous membrane. Um. So here we are. Let's see what we got. Okay. I got some follow up and I got some odds and sods and some bits. Thanks, Squarespace. <clears throat> don't don't everybody expect that? Don't everybody expect me to sing songs to the tune of West Side Story or possibly Company? <clears throat> um, Demon Barber of Fleet Street, they say. Hey, I was on um, <laughs> um, I was on a podcast that I'm already on. 
Um, I'll do this podcast called uh, Do By Friday. And uh, I want to... Um, some people like this episode. A few people didn't. I'm not. I'm not sure what people's problem is. I thought it was awesome. Greg from uh, Mr. Greg from from Agile Tur- Turtis. <laughs> Three, two, <laughs> no. Greg from uh, from Agile Tortoise who makes the drafts. We, he was on Dubai Friday and we talked about things to do with drafts. And uh, I don't know if it's the most super helpful. You're probably better off to listen to like an interview with him and on like Mac Power users or something. But. Um, uh, it's not so much to promote our podcast as to say, hey, uh, go have another look at drafts if you haven't looked in a while. On iOS and now, of course, on the Mac. Uh, boy, there's a lot going on with that app. He is, it is very actively developed. I know we've talked about it a lot here, but if you like podcasts and typing, uh, that's a podcast you can listen to about typing with a man who understands that. It was good. It's at uh, dubyfriday.com on your, on your internet. I also put uh, a link in the notes. I think this is what you were... I know, I know Max Temkin is obsessed with this video, and I think you are too. I put a link in the uh, show notes to the TED Talk on how to use a paper towel. Is that the thing That's you the one. I think time? that I put it in. Let me see if I put it in last week's show or not. Somebody put it in the notes. It might be you. It might. That would have been last week. Let's see if I put it in. It's in there. In, it's yeah. definitely in there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, that's the one where he teaches you how to, how to properly use a paper towel. It's a really great TED Talk, and mm-hmm. I think it, it sums up what a TED Talk should be. Even if you're not interested in the topic, the way he delivers it, the way he captures the audience interest, all of that, I think it just makes for a good talk. It's a good talk. All right, then I'm going to put in my canonical TED Talk, which we have talked about, I think, about 40 times. Ideas worth spreading. Bong. The Art of Misdirection by Apollo Robbins. Mm, so it's good. I love one that one. of the great TED Talks. It's He is... I personally, I consider all forms of magic uh, to be a form of assault that should be charged on a federal level. Doing magic to people should be a federal crime. With that said, watching somebody be able to do magic on you, to you, with you, do magic at you, and tell you, and then show you what he's doing, but you're always still two steps behind until you realize you're actually like eight steps behind. Also, where does Ty go? It's so, he's so amazing. Yeah, so Paul Robbins, we talked about him. He's a pickpocket, but uh, he's really good. He's really good. Okay, cool, cool. We, we've given people much to look at. Uh, I can find more of these uh, custom van things. Some of them are very dangerous, but there's like, I got into it via stealth camping, which is the whole idea of like getting a van, renting a van and parking it somewhere and trying to see what you can get away with. <laughs> I also watch, watch a lot of dead mall videos. Big fan of those. You ever watch dead mall videos? No. <laughs> <laughs> so good check off in sulu 1094 fanfics they got i call it shipping um and so moving on um you want to talk about so i got two things that i'm a little confused about you want to talk about ligature and fonts is that that's going to be related to that uh, programming yeah, font we like yeah yeah i want to talk but about that why, I, I want to introduce these and then i and did did you or i say the words nv alt and ios because I wrote that down. That I, I did. That is a thing I wanted to okay, ask good. you. So we got about. two. There's two. Mm-hmm, two mm-hmm. Dan's. Dan. <laughs> do you do you want to do your odds and sods? You want to jump into those or that's most of my sods. All I hear what I've got is uh, the what we've already done. We're at what thirty one. We're good. We have one more sponsor, correct? Uh, maybe two. I think two. Maybe two. Um, but oh. definitely one. Definitely. Okay. One. Okay. Well, then we uh, we have lots of content. Uh, well, talk about whatever you want. Well, there has been a bit of a dust up, it seems like, of people who need to have a strong opinion about fonts. And some people don't like, is this, is this the JetBrains thing where it automatically makes 
ligatures one yeah yeah yeah. Um, yes the okay this This is interesting so uh, most programmers most software developers use a monospace font and there's a lot of people who aren't developers who are using monospace fonts too for a lot of other reasons and the um we talked about a font that I believe you found and introduced me to a couple years ago, right when I was really, really desperately looking for a new font. And the font you introduced me to, I'll put it into the show notes. Show notes. Show notes is uh, called uh, IBM Plex. In this case, it's Plex Mono specifically. You gotta go. Gotta go to this website just for the website. It's a really wild, over-the-top website. That does all of those crazy JavaScript tricks, but it does it pretty well. Yeah. But it's also got a demo thing where you can try all the different ones. The IBM Plex, I think it's IBM Plex. Yeah, it's IBM.com slash Plex. Mono and Serif. Is, say, sorry, sorry, what is it? IBM.com slash Plex. And I'm putting it in the show notes for us right now. And I'm this also beautiful, putting beautiful down font. the GitHub, which is where you can also go to just download it directly if you want to. Uh, but IBM Plex Mono has been... The font of choice for me ever since whenever that episode was that you told me about it and I switched over. I've I've I used to have a, a web page. I may bring it back where I just talked about mo- the monospace fonts that I like back before doing that was a thing. And uh, and so I love monospace fonts and I, I'm writing code and doing things in a monospace way hours and hours a day, almost every day. And so. You know, for me, that font really matters because you you look at it and I've often found one of my little tricks and it's, it's funny how this works, even though I know I'm doing it, but it's a lot of the time, you know, people think that just writers are uh, the only ones that need to get inspired to do stuff. But it's <laughs> so true for developers too, that you won't, it's easy to get in a rut. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to feel monotonous. And while taking a break and doing something else is usually helpful for that. Sometimes you don't have the luxury of taking a few days or more away from a project or, or a particular deadline is looming and you need to focus really hard on it. And I don't know, it's the, it's the silliest thing, but sometimes changing a font Mm -hmm. that you're looking at can change your perspective or your attitude about the project or the code or whatever it is that you need to do. And so for me, I've always found, especially if I'm starting a new project or if I'm having trouble with the current one, or if I'm struggling with some code or something, change the font and you, you can change your whole attitude about the thing that you're writing because some fonts look happy or light or more serious or mean or whatever. Mm-hmm. So some, you, some of them have different, some, I mean, like <clears throat> if you look at anything all day, you can think about the difference between like what's the difference between white, white, a room painted white and a room painted off white or painted eggshell. And it's all the difference in the world. A white room is too white. Generally, it looks like a museum, right? It's so strange. And when you get something that you're used to looking at over and over, like in this case, something you're writing as paragraphs of prose or something you're writing as code, changing the way it looks can make a difference. This is also an old proofreader's trick is to change the font. Because if you've been looking at something for too long, you may actually also have gotten even accustomed to things like where the line breaks are and, you know, where you you could be missing something where there's everybody's seen that optical illusion or that mental effect where there's words that are repeated from one line to the next and the vast majority of people don't catch it. So changing the font, it sounds dumb, changing the, the typeface and the size of whatever you're looking at can really freshen it up. It can add, like you say, you know, kind of an emotional valence, like, you know, JetBrains Pro, it seems like a very, I don't know why, I want to use the word cheerful. 
It's not. It is unserious. It's not unserious. But Monica, man, Monica wants to be small and a little bit mad. Monica's <laughs> yeah. a little bit passive aggressive. It's not telling you that it's You're mad right. at you, but you know what you did. Well, that's why. Don't I make love... it bigger than ten. Make it hurt. I love this. Monica ten hurts. <laughs> no, it does. I used to use nine point back in my BB Edit PHP well, days. Well, we know people who brag about quote unquote still using Monaco ten. That's Ugh. that is the that is the hairpiece of typefaces for developers. It like so nobody is. will notice that I'm fifty as long as I keep using Monaco ten, mm-hmm. getting wanging headaches. Ugh. So JetBrains I, Pro 17, baby. <laughs> I love JetBrains. You showed it to me and I loved it. And I started typing it and I set it up in NVAlt and I set up a couple other and I was typing, typing. And then I went into some code to do some code. And I noticed that there were <laughs> ligatures. And so for, for the uninformed, uh, uninitiated to ligatures, ligatures are these really cool things that let you do things like connect uh, different, uh, different font. Different, a ligature is a, yeah. Explain may, it better than a, I can. Well, ligature, as in from the Latin for like rope or to tie, ties to what appear to be two letters into what to your eye will now become one letter. Like you know, Encyclopedia Britannica typically ends or alum or the plural of alum alumni alumni. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'll be that little a e that are tied together. I think that counts as a ligature. It's it's anything where you've got two characters that get kind of hooked together. Uh, I don't know if that's precisely correct, but it's it's one of the marks that we use or one of the the punctuation and typeface things that we use. It's just that the ligatures that are hap- that you're about to describe are a pretty aggressive idea of where you would want a ligature. Yeah. So one of the things that they do in in monospace <laughs> fonts designed to be used in programming this is something that, that people will do is, uh, for example, uh, there are comparators in programming, such as the equal equal sign. So you'll have two equals, mm-hmm. and some some languages even have three equals. So you would see equal equal, and that that is saying that it's sort of asking the question. Explain equal equal to me, because I think I know what it means, but I'm also pretty sure I'm getting it wrong. It it kind of says is the the value on is this the and only this left the the same as the value on the right? Are they truly equal? You can get into even more depending on the language. It's different for every language, is what I would say. But typically, equal but equal. It goes beyond. It goes beyond to this evaluates as three plus two equals five. Right. If you do it in equals equals, that's evaluating some. What is it evaluating differently when you say equals equals? It's, it's more than just like it, it evaluates to being this. It's more like it is this, right? R- right. And in most in most programming languages, equals just the equal symbol. You're assigning value to something. So mm-hmm. a equals five. So if you were already using the equal symbol to to assign value, how do we check to see if if something is equal? So in this case, you would say a equal, equal four, and it uh-huh. would come back and say false or a equal, equal five. And it would come mm-hmm. back and say true. And that's a very simple example of, of how you would do that. So then you also have the not equal symbol, which is the exclamation point or bang, as we would mm-hmm. say in programming. So bang equals yeah, is yeah, yeah. not equal. Not equal to. Uh, well, I, and, I even use these, you're not going to believe this, but I, I use these in task paper. I don't want to talk oh, too sure. much about this because it's a little bit fancier than most people would care to know about. But uh, if you're ready to go a little bit intermediate with task paper, you can have searches for criteria in your document. I'm not encouraging this. I'm just using this as a pivot to get Dan's back here. You can create searches. So for example, I have a search that's a save search across all of my documents called do soon. D-U-E soon. So mm-hmm. for example, at do, 
greater than sign equals bracket D close bracket today. So it's saying, show me anything with a date of being due today or after. You can even do stuff like, what was the one? Was it overdue? Not yet. You could say like this, this plus uh, 24 hours or something like that. Right. So yeah, but like, you know, I I have, for example, unrelated, utterly unrelated. I have a, um, I have a, sorry, people are emailing me. I have a, um, a text expander snippet that if I type M dash and greater than, it knows to transform that into a right facing arrow, which I just use for various things. But I wouldn't want that in code because that's not going to mean what that means. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> how, how in the hell could you have ligatures for these things where the code would still... Maybe I don't understand how computers work. Well, the, the, ligature, so the ligature is just visual. It doesn't actually change the code. So if you were to output oh, the code I at see. a command line level, it would still be equal, equal or, or not equal or whatever the, the one we're talking about is. Another one that I see a lot of the time is like two ampersands next to each other. That's saying like, uh, like you're checking conditions to see if the first one is true and the second one is true, then do this other thing. I you see. would use ampersand ampersand. So there's one where they a shorthand way of saying this and this have to evaluate as that kind of. Yeah. And, and, okay. and so like, there's also the idea of putting in, um, uh, like you can have like an equal sign and then a greater than symbol that's used a lot for assignment in, in rails. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Th- there are a lot of things that you can, you can do where, there are two symbols next to each other that become a convention that people think of as a, as a thing. And they have created these ligatures for these things. Um, even, even going to the point of like in PHP, for example, you might use three equals next to each other. So they replace these with ligature symbols that are kind of cool and that you might write if you were writing it out by hand or things like that. But there are people who are really, really strongly against doing this kind of thing in code because on the one hand, um, well, there's a lot of reasons why you might not want to do it in, in mm-hmm. your code. <clears throat> Keeping in mind that if you get used to seeing something one way and then then you, for whatever reason, have to shift and do and, and use a different computer or use a different editor or your font isn't on this other computer that you're using, all of a sudden, everything's going to look different to you. Yeah. If you're used to seeing the actually not equals sign, which is two horizontal lines with a diagonal line crisscrossing them um, top to bottom, then that looks very different from the uh, bang equals symbol. And so it just creates inconsistency, whether you're, whether you're reading code or looking at code or whatever, there's an extra step of translation that you now need to do in your mind that says, you know what, this is, this is different here. And that can just add a little bit of complexity and, and it's this subtle confusion that you don't even notice you're mm-hmm. feeling to when you're coding. But anyway, there's lots of reasons why people don't want to do this, even if it's just, Things don't line up the same way. The spacing yeah. is different. So yeah, you think about the way people freak, not freak out, but people are very understandably, I guess, particular about particular. So yeah, I just like, wanted to you, point out that JetBrains yeah. is one of these ligature monospace fonts. And if you don't want that, um, you can't use it. But there's people who have very strong opinions about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, looking at what stuff looks like. How do I change this in Adam? I'll come back to this. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, I see both sides, not maybe not all sides, but I feel like I see both sides of people's strong feelings about this. 
I mean, on the one hand, it makes absolute sense to have a way that you like things in your own world, right? Well, let, yeah. let, here's, here's a continuum, at least in my, my mental model. Over here is things where your personal decisions and preferences could barely have any impact on anybody else in the entire world, whether that's in your you know car, carbon footprint or, the, or whether you use tabs or spaces. Right. And then way, 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 way over here, you've got stuff that you must stop doing because you're killing the world. And then somewhere in between is stuff where it's a little bit more debatable. So, you know, the joke, the Silicon Valley-ish or geek-ish thing about tabs versus spaces. I mean, isn't that a little silly? Because, like, even in TextMate, I have the ability to say on save, change this to that. Yes. However, if you're using source control, changing tabs to spaces, changing end, ends of lines, changing extra spaces in a file, things like that. Mm-hmm. Those can actually show up as a change. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, they are a change. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. No, okay, I see what you're saying, but and that's even true in Markdown, where having you know have a, a um, unless you're unless you've got something like a cleanup or uh, ah dang, what's the thing we used to have for HTML? What's that called? Short word uh, runs f- fixes HTML. Lint. Oh yeah, unless lint, you're running sure. something like Lint. Mm-hmm. But so with Markdown, for example, if I have one space after a period or two spaces after a period, I, each one of those is meaningful and it wouldn't be obvious to something that was just cleaning up the ends of lines arbitrarily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One space at the end of the line means, well, the next space, the next line will not have a line break. Two spaces. Yes, it will have a line break. You know what I mean? It'll yes. be, it's the difference between a nothing and a P. <laughs> um, but, oh, so anyway, so, but I think in the middle, it makes sense that people go around a little bit about this, but it is kind of a, it, not ironic, stupid, that sometimes over here, remember my first side of the continuum, which is what you do and prefer couldn't possibly, like, you know, if you like to put your, uh, my classic example, you're putting your cutlery away, you want, you, yeah, that's your house. If you want to put the cutlery on the roof, you could do that. If you choose to put your cutlery into a silverware container, guess what? You could just dump all that in there. It's your house. You're, you can totally have that your way. Now, if you have a partner and a family, it kind of makes sense for you to arrive at some kind of an accord about, well, when we're done with the forks and we've washed and dried those, those go into here. You might even get into a thing where it's important to me that the salad forks be here right? and the dinner forks be here. Sure. You know, and maybe one person cares, one person doesn't care, but that's called being a human being, right? Having those kinds of things you work out with other people. The part that I find somewhat hysterical is when people are over here on this one. <laughs> so sorry. Ah. They're over here on the one side of the continuum about having personal preferences and then are just so mad at everybody further down the spectrum in any direction and think that they need to be doing that too, even though it's a decision that usually has very little impact on other people. But that's how strongly people feel about this. That wasn't that useful. No, it's very useful. You want to tell me about something you like? I would love to tell you about our second and final sponsor for the day. It is Master. Masterclass. Masterclass. I love this sponsor. They make the best stuff. So Masterclass, this is an app. You can you can get it on your phone, uh, just on the web, your Apple TV, which is the, the coolest part. Uh, it offers classes on a wide variety of topics, but they're all taught by world-class masters who are at the top of their field and eat. This sounds, what I'm saying, like when I, when I look at this spot, what I'm sa- saying kind of sounds a little dry. It's anything but dry. These Mm. classes are 
so fun and so cool and so amazing. They have more than 75 people teaching these classes. And again, like you can watch them anywhere, desktop, iOS, Android, Amazon Fire TV, all access pass where you get access to everything is 180 bucks a year, or you can get a single class if you just want the one for, for 90 bucks, but you can choose which one you want to watch. These are amazing, amazing courses. So here's a couple of the, the newer ones that they got. And uh, I think some people will recognize some of these names. Um, David Sedaris, the uh, humorist, he does a class on there. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is on there. Chris Voss does the art of negotiation. Um, Bobby Brown does makeup and beauty. I mean, like literally think of something. They've got Mm -hmm. a dead mouse on there talking about the dead mouse music that he does and how he got into it, how you can do it. And the the whole point, they've got movie directors, like everything is there and they are teaching you how to do the stuff that they do. And at first you're like, well, what's that going to do for me? I watched the one um, on, on, on dead mouse the other day and I was so blown away. Like I'm not doing EDM music or anything like that. Like that's not even my thing, but Mm -hmm. it was so cool to see it. Uh, They got Gordon Ramsay on there teaching you how to cook like Hmm. what. But the thing is, you come away from these classes and you're so like inspired by watching them. And it like you, you know, you want to learn about filmmaking. Who would Hmm. you like to learn if you're if you're if you're into the kind of movies that I'm into? I want to learn from the best. I want to learn from the best. How about I'll just mention a couple Martin Scorsese, David Lynch. You can learn about the monkey. Get out of here. Yes, they're in there. Get out of here with your crazy talk. You got Anna Wintour talking about not not style and fashion, creativity and leadership, right? You got Penn and Teller talking about magic. Jane Goodall talking about conservation. Timberland teaches beat making. Like everything is in there. They got your your boy Chris Hadfield talking about space. You can get access to all of this stuff or just an individual class if you're interested in it. I love it. I've been really into these. You're going to get 15% off your annual all access pass. If you go to masterclass.com slash back to work, masterclass.com slash back to work. These class, I just want to mention the way they film these things. It's like cinema quality. It looks like something you'd see in a, in a, in a movie theater. This is not a webcam. I just want to be clear on that. (laughs) <laughs> it, it's, it's not, it, it's not, it's not a cam girl. Taking it's not requests. a cam girl thing. They've got people mic'd uh-huh. up really, really great. It's just awesome. And there's a 30 day guarantee. So if, you know, if you're not satisfied, you got a 30 day money back guarantee on the all access pass. It's amazing. And, uh, oh, and they also have downloadable, uh, lesson recaps and like extra material, like the cooking classes, for example, they come with downloadable guides that are like a high end cookbook. It is just so awesome. You owe it to yourself to, to try this out and check it out. Masterclass.com slash back to work 15% off. If you go there and, uh, I love it. I really do have fun watching these things and, uh, go check it out. Masterclass.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to masterclass for making this show possible. Next master class. Puck, puck. Um, I'm trying to check out the timeline on this and it doesn't seem quite right. But um, during one, I can't, it's got to be before 2010. Anyhow, uh, some years back, uh, I don't know. I don't have any need to be obsessed with monospace fonts, but I am. Yeah. Like I, I, just, I just am. And 
pound for pound, I feel like the craziest purchase I ever made in my life in terms of like the dough that I was making versus was it a good investment? I once spent $199 buying a monospaced font. Which one? Pragmata. Oh, Pro. yeah. Yeah, that's a Remember good when that one, was though. going around? Totally. Yeah. It, it really, it's very cool. It is, it is as, um, as uh, the lady on, uh, on uh, Project Runway would say, it's very editorial. It's got mm-hmm. a, lot of, uh, a lot of personality. But boy, I look back at that, and after I'd clicked the button, I was like, was that, a, was that, was that good? Yeah, here we go. Pragmata Regular, 2001. So wow. that's before Pragmatic Pro, I guess. Um, yeah, anyway, it's still out there. You know, uh, drink responsibly. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, what else we got here? <laughs> uh, dog that smiles like a truth. We could talk. We have time for uh, your pick. You've been wanting to, you've been champing at the bit, as, as you like to say, to talk about OmniFocus, and you also have something regarding NVALT and iOS. So you pick whatever you want in our final segment. I mean, I want to hear you talk a little bit, if you could, if you will, about Omni, uh, OmniFocus, because mm-hmm, sure. I have just started using this in a, in a way that's more serious. And I very much want to learn how you use it, because I know that you've been using it for a, a while and there are good videos and tutorials out there. But what I want to hear is it from 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 yeah. you and how you I used, use I used it. to be uh, Merlin OmniFocus. That's that's right. Yeah. What What are your observations or uh, just off the dome getting started? Um, you've been doing this for a couple, few weeks. And yeah, like a couple weeks now. <clears throat> it seems interesting. What uh, What brought you to OmniFocus and what are your hopes for uh, if it goes well as a project, so to speak? Um, what should be different? What's what, what, do you, what, do we, what do you expect out of it? Well, you know, the one thing, whenever I would talk to someone, <laughs> I would tell them, or they'd say, what? you know, what app are you using for, you know, notes or project management or anything like that? And I would always say, well, I'm usually just using text files in this editor, or that editor, or whatever. And they would, they would shake their head and say, oh, yeah, I remember doing that. Now I use OmniFocus. And I'd say, well, should I use OmniFocus? And the answer is always like, oh, this is really, they like the people will like, like rub their eyes and there's a big learning curve for it. But once you get past that, it's, it's great. I did not find there to be a huge learning curve, but there are a lot of things that are not obvious about it or about mm-hmm. how to use it. And I'm not talking about gestures or, or shortcuts or things like that. I'm just talking about the general concept in that like you most to do apps. And I guess this would fit into that category. Are, you just like start typing and it makes little lists and you can maybe make multiple lists and you're done. But OmniFocus has this concept of a project and then there can kind of be sub projects and you know there's a lot to it and there's different kinds of projects as well and there's different types of lists and there's tags like you said and there's uh, there's a because in in real life projects can uh can and do behave differently or want different things yeah and then there's the forecast view there's a lot merlin there's a lot there yes there is there's a lot there conceptually um, and so, well, I, I feel like I'm just putting words in your mouth. I, I mean, is it fair to say that one reason someone like you turns to OmniFocus is, apart from curiosity, is that it is uh, a way to hope to manage many different projects in many different states? Is that Yes, fair? many different projects, and many different states. And that's not true states. to say so, because that's important. If you don't no, need that, you may not need this. It's 100% true, and that's exactly mm-hmm. why I'm, I wanted to get into it, because... 
I do have multiple projects going on at the same time, whether they're multiple development projects within Fireside or, you know, thoughts, notes, things to do with five by five, personal stuff to do lists, packing lists. I mean, there's so much that this seems like you can do it. And, and to your point about how different projects work differently. Well, for example, my packing list project or when I go on a trip is very different from a Fireside feature that I'm working on with you know, three other people and this person's task needs to be finished before I can do this other task. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're very different. Boy, where do I jump in on this? Okay. Uh, so here, here's some things in my opinion to know about OmniFocus and whether it might be right for you. The, um, it is, it is perhaps unsurprising that the thing that makes OmniFocus most powerful is also the thing that can make it seem daunting, difficult, mm-hmm. over-designed. But that's there for a reason. What you need to know is that OmniFocus, a couple things to know about OmniFocus is that it started out being based on Omni Outliner. It's based on the idea of lists that are nested. That's it. That's, right. that's really, that's where it started. And then it was Ethan Schoonover's um, AppleScript magic that turned it into something that became Kinkless GTD. So that's the second thing to know. First thing to know is it started out as being about a simple list where you wanted things to mean things. And second of all, it's very heavily influenced by David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. Mm -hmm. So we don't have time here to cover all those concepts. We've done shows about getting things done. But at one point, I think Omni Group did have a formal relationship briefly, uh, briefly, I don't remember how long, with um, David's group. But what you need to know is that, you know, the the biggest influences are list making, whether that's Emacs or whether that is like a .el, is that what that's called? But like... Whether it's Emacs or whether it's uh, Omni, uh, uh, any of any list making app, influenced by that and list making and influenced by getting things done, and that those two things together lead to a lot of really interesting design decisions about how to make this thing, this app, work in a lot of different, for a lot of different things that people need. Um, so just to get this out of the way, I think probably in part due maybe to people like me. OmniFocus has at times had a reputation for being like, wow, that's all you don't really need all the stuff that this does. This is too much. It's too much. Well, but here's the thing. First principles, Clarice, it's a list app. (laughs) You could open OmniFocus and just use it as a list making app, full stop. No projects. I mean, not, not really projects in any sense. You could use just the inbox forever and have a really good app that you could choose to just put things like due dates on. But that's not what it's for, right? The ships aren't meant to stay in a harbor. Um, if it's overcomplicated, it's because you're making it overcomplicated. Mm. If it's, if it's, um, if it's difficult to understand, it's because you are not doing things in the proper order. We've all had that experience of getting a new app or the best example I can think of is getting a new app and being, let's say, maybe you're not a full on nerd or a geek, but you're a power user. You spend all your time going through the preferences, setting preferences, doing configuration files. Why did I never get into sublime text? Because I could never understand the preferences file. Mm -hmm. And that was a non-starter for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could if I put my mind to it, but I didn't want to put my mind to it. I wanted a GUI, and that always set me off, right? So what do you do when you get into one of your new systems? Well, a system like, a GTD-like system involving an OmniFocus-like app, it's not uncommon for people to want to go and trick everything out and try to learn everything. You don't need to do that. You just need to understand some concepts in OmniFocus. And uh, probably the single biggest concept in OmniFocus, the big concept obviously is lists. But what are lists? Well, lists have projects, lists have tasks. Projects have attributes, tasks have attributes. Mm -hmm. 
So when your project has a task, your task can also have tags. A task can have tags without having a project. It's up to you. What's a project? Well, let's get back to GTD, right? GTD and GTD, a project is a desirable outcome that in my parlance, I would say is like a very large noun. What is a task? A task, it's a bunch of verbs that can or should be done given a certain, if you like, context. There are some things you can do, a context, or in this case, what they now call a tag. A context is just this GTD-ish idea of a unique constraint or opportunity. If it's not a fairly unique constraint or opportunity, it's probably not a full-on context or tag. Mm. Like in the classic David Allen example, you know, no matter how much you need to mow your lawn, you can't do it when you're on a plane. So that's important to accept and realize. You know that in your in your smart brain. But like if you're worrying about the homeowners association giving you a ticket while you're flying, there's no point to that. Unless you can call someone from the plane and tell them to mow your lawn, you should be working <laughs> on something else. That's a healthy adult thing to do. And that's kind of how your whole life should be. Is you figure out what are the outcomes that you want in life and you figure All right. So now now the other thing is that can be overwhelming is you can choose to start using this app. I'll tell you how I would suggest using this app. Um, but you may be the sort of person who goes, wow, I've used this once before and I'm coming back to it and I, oh, wow, I'm getting my feeling back. And I, I'm going to go and I'm going to create 95 different contexts or I'm going to create 150 different projects and no tasks yet. <laughs> I think the smartest way to start using this app is to sit in the inbox and to type out things mm-hmm. to do as uh, you don't have to do a full version of this, but it's what David Allen calls a mental sweep. Just type, start in the in your inbox. And we'll talk about why the inbox is special in a minute. In your inbox, just start typing whatever's on your mind. And, you know, do it for 20 minutes or do it for 60 items or do it for whatever. Don't worry about what that thing is. Don't worry about when you're going to do it. Don't even on some level at this point worry about whether you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Because why? Because the inbox is special. The inbox is all of the things in your life that you are, you want to be aware of having on your radar screen or your mind or your mind grapes. And then uh, later on, you'll decide what to do about that, even if what you decide to do about that is nothing. Why is that so important? Because anything can be in your inbox. You have not committed to anything that's in your inbox. That's just where stuff goes. When you're deciding whether you will commit to it and then how, okay? What is the corollary? Never have anything go outside your inbox in OmniFocus that you are not dedicated to getting done. Treat it like your calendar. If it doesn't need to be there, it absolutely should not be there. Don't turn this into an attic. Okay? So just conceptually, if you need to start working, you know. And I would not fuss too much about transitioning and importing and exporting. I think start the, fresh? Just a, well, yeah, I, I do. I, and this is a very David Allen-ish idea, is that like if your old, it's, <laughs> if your old system worked, you wouldn't be reading this book. If the way you oh, used see, to that's operate, smart. that is so smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a this is an opportunity for you to start out from the most basic thing. Imagine just for the sake of argument, you're you're you know almost mentally throwing out your old calendar. You're mentally throw even if you're not literally doing that. You're mentally throwing out your old task management system, and you're starting fresh and saying, right, what are, what are we doing today? What's the uniform of the day? Well, what's on my mind right now is learning to use OmniFocus. That's fine. Put that in your inbox. Oh man, I need. I know I need to do something um, about uh, my kid's application for school. I need so kid kid school application. You know what? For once in your life, that's fine. List, 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 list. Oh, change uh, change the font that I'm using in Adam. Okay, that's not that important. Well, doesn't matter. It's on your mind. Go all through there. And what happens is, if this is true for really any application, but it's super true for OmniFocus. Now, once you're done with that, you have this way of then then sort of zooming out, if that's the right word, or 
dollying yeah. back where you're going to look at all of this stuff. And before you've done anything with all of that stuff, just pause for a moment, have a, have a tea or something and just kind of look at that and go like, well, now when I look at all of that, boy, that was a lot of stuff to have on my mind. Some of that stuff really pops as something that needs to happen today. But you're going to notice things. You're going to notice patterns. You're going to notice patterns of things that involve certain, if they, as David Allen says, areas of responsibility, certain parts of your work and home life. You're going to start noticing patterns. Um, and in the same way that I would not start a wiki by having one sentence stubs for every single page, I would start with your inbox and then start thinking about commitments. Well, I'll tell you what I know. I do know that there is a project called uh, fire, Fireside Relaunch, whatever. Or, you know, DNS transfer. Right. Th that is a pattern of things. Well, okay, I've seen these tasks. Well, now I know there's some projects. One project is I need to uh, get ready to relaunch Fireside. So that could be a project. That's a, that's a noun. That's a, that's a goal. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about putting a due date on it just yet unless that's how you want to roll. But what you want to do is then start fitting all that stuff in. Well, these are all tasks that are kind of on my mind. Do I see any patterns emerging? Are there tags that rep or contexts that represent these unique opportunities or um, limitations. I can only talk to my wife when she's here. Otherwise, I'd be a crazy person. I can only <laughs> buy Walgreens things when I'm at Walgreens. So that's a good idea. If that's something you do a lot, that's a good context. For most people, there are two contexts that you will need. Most people. Uh, the two contexts, minimal contexts you need, in my case, are house and office. Right? right? So there are things that I can only do at home, at my house, as I like to say, or there are things I can only do at my office, what some people call work. You could also have errands. You could have specificity. What I'm trying to get at is understand the fresh opportunity that you are getting. If you're just coming to this app, don't start by configuring everything. Don't start by feeling like you need to have 100 contexts. Your tasks tell you what your tags and contexts are. Your tasks will tell you what your projects are. And guess what? Your tasks, vis-a-vis -vis the tasks in your inbox, will also tell you what your tasks are. Once you started typing those, you realize some of that's BS. It needs to be rephrased. That needs to be in this project. Start small and start fitting that stuff in there. Don't worry yet about perspectives. Don't worry yet about the inspector. Don't worry yet about do, defer, repeating tasks. Do you want it to be at the completed time or at the program time? Don't worry about any of that yet. That's all there for you. One of the ways you are most likely to... Uh, to get to kick your own balls with this app is by spending too much time thinking about the app and not enough putting your stuff in there. Right, right. If, so if you're you saying a, you're you, saying just start yeah. start loading it up, topping it off, and loading and, it up with tasks because yeah. we're loading it up with theoretical tasks. And again, this is what's so important about the inbox. Whether that's your inbox for your email, whether that's your any inbox or for that matter outbox, you know, sort of drafts folder if you like would be the email equivalent. This is stuff you haven't done anything with yet. And might maybe because you'll never do anything with it, but more likely because you're not sure what this thing is yet. Never put anything into a project or with a tag until you know what that thing is. Um, and this is again just so important a concept in GTD that I will I will always treasure is this idea that you know thinking about your work and doing your work really should be different things. You you need to think to do your job, mm -hmm. but this is why we set aside time to do different parts of these workflows. If you're having to think about what you have to do this afternoon, and you got to do that for more than like a minute or two, well, could you have thought about that earlier and put that into the plan that you're working on and apportioned your time and knowing what you can say yes and no to, being ready to you know keep your head on a swivel for whatever comes along. Um, if you're constantly having to go back to your giant list of stuff, then something you're not there yet. 
your what you've written up in your inbox that think it's turned into your projects and your contacts and sorry tags. I'm still getting used to this and Omni Focus. That's going to be all the stuff that's not allowed to die. It's just it's not it may not be on a certain date in the same way as a calendar. But you have an instant dashboard view, and you need your own mental model. My mental model is generally about I want to see what I have to do for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's where stuff like perspectives is going to become so powerful. But anyway, what I'm saying as a general proposition is when you're getting into OmniFocus, do not worry about over-engineering stuff too much. Just start really using that inbox and really understanding and honoring the difference between what's in the inbox and what's not in the inbox. And every time you run into garbage, pick it up and throw it away. If you see anything in there in your projects and your tags and the tasks that's not a real thing, pick it up and throw it away. Get it out of there. Um, you, I would not be, we get good backup in place and then be merciless. Like, don't think about it like you're crisper. You do not want any garbage in there. So anyway, that's my, (laughs) that's my conceptual sketch. Please respond. Uh, The listeners are me. You. Well, I think. Now what's on your mind, Grapes? Well, you know, the way I went into this definitely didn't try to import anything. Didn't try to bring even older like concepts of how I would work. I just, I wanted to try it the way that OmniFocus wanted me to do it. And so what I thought was one of the interesting things is you talked about the different kinds of projects, right? So there's three kinds of projects that they have, which is an, oh uh, yeah, right. An ad, let's see what Sequential they're called. Sequential or um, <clears> do these, do these tasks, are these tasks, do these tasks have to be completed in this particular order? Right. Can uh, they be done one at a time, or what's the third one where it's There's just parallel, list. sequential, and single actions. Right, right, right. And, and so when most people think of a to-do list or a list of some kind, they are usually, at least for me, I, I shouldn't say people, I should say me, I'm usually thinking of a single action list, which is like, <laughs> here's 10 things I need to do. And well, like, for example, like, think about a grocery list. On a grocery yeah. list, there may be something... That like, for example, if the main course is quote unquote, the most important thing on the list, Mm -hmm. but those are all things you need to get at the grocery store. It's not ranked. (laughs) You don't have to get them in a certain order. Well, you might want to get your freezer stuff last, but you see what I mean. It it is a list of like, or it's like a packing list, like a list of toiletries. There's nothing on there that's like more or less important. Really? You want them all. You want them but all. They're and, all and, important. And, and, and whether it's toiletries or a But you packing have to pack list. them in a, in a weird order. <laughs> right. Or just even in the grocery store, if, if they're out of milk at the grocery store, I can still pick up hot dogs. Absolutely. You know? yeah. and, and so that, that's a single action list because those items are not dependent upon one another. Certain things don't need to happen first. And so that, if they do, I guess that would be more like a sequential list um, where- Sequential is just is exactly what it sounds like. So, for example, the the toiletries packing, those don't need to be done in any particular order. They all just need to be done. And when they're done, that little part of the project is done. On the other hand, if you're trying to, let's go back to mowing the lawn. Well, you know, do you have, um, is is it gassed up? Right. No. Well, I, well, then your first task is to go check and see if there's gas. Do I have gas? Do I need to get gas? Is it going to rain today? Right. There are things that need to be done in a certain order. So cleaning up the lawnmower and putting it away um, is going to be the last thing you do, not the first thing. Those do need to be done in a certain order. You can't start mowing the lawn until you put the gas in. So that's, that is a sequential list. The fancy name for that would be dependencies. We can't mm-hmm. start on this until we finish that. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, that's super important if you're working on bigger projects, because you could say, oh, well, you know, Garrett's working on an update to the billing system. We can't roll out our new plans until the billing system is updated. Also, spoiler alert, it's also what makes OmniFocus uniquely powerful mm -hmm. for handling large numbers of projects. Because again, back to GTD, it's very important in GTD to say that you can have a theoretically sort of unlimited number of projects as long as you know what the next physical action is for every project and don't need to think about it in the moment. Mm -hmm. You already went through that. And you're going to, again, you get the weekly review and stuff like that. But, you know, this is also then where we're not there yet, but at some point you're going to get into stuff like defer dates and due dates. Right. And the notion is that because you now have this X and Y axis into your work, here's your big glob of work in life. You've got, uh, I don't know how what your mental model for this is, but you could think of every project, uh, think of it almost like a spreadsheet. Like every project is a row. And every uh, tag is a column, sort of. But the, the notion is that you could very quickly know what that blocking task is for every single thing. Let's say there's 10 steps. What, what's your guy's name? Jared? Who's Garrett. your, your developer? Okay, yeah. so if he's working on something, but you can't do anything till he's done with that, you can have a special kind of tag uh, that's similar to what David Allen calls waiting on, where you could say like, okay, there, there's nothing for me to do with this project until this guy does that thing. So that project should still be here where I can see it, but the te- the next task for that, I don't need to see because there's nothing I can do about it. Well, if it's been eight weeks and you need to tell Jareth what, what, <laughs> to pick it up, <laughs> to, to, you know, uh, email Jareth. And, that's and, right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He's always doing his hair. You know, he, but- um, in that case, then that becomes a different kind of thing. Preceding that, now you've got a ping Jareth uh, about Labyrinth Project. Ping, ping Jareth, right? Do you follow? And so that's the next thing you need to know. What is that? What is ping Jareth? What the hell does that mean? Well, that could have a context or a tag of at email. All right, show me all the email things I can do right now. No problem. We have a, an X-ray view, X and Y axis. Just show me the things that I could do on our computer right now. Not a problem. I've already thought all that through. Okay. Airhorn, airhorn. Oh, the Jareth project's blowing up. Okay, let's zoom way in on just the Jareth project. And that's going to be what I work. It's all up to you. But because you thought about it and were advisable about keeping this all updated with only good stuff, you now can, in a very muscular, manly way, be able to uh, execute the stuff in your life without being stressed out because it's all in the place with the thing. Mm-hmm. And the third kind uh, is any of these tasks uh, can be doable. So th- that seems like pretty much the same as the first type. It just affects how they will show up as in sort of other lists. If you know, you know, for example, this is uh, something, again, I learned from Ethan way back in the day is the kind of project or uh, area that he calls infrastructure. There's a lot of stuff in my OmniFocus that is what I would call infrastructure, where like, um, again, just stupid stuff, bring up paper towels, order toilet paper, chop wood, carry water, like all of the dumb stuff that needs to happen, water the plant, feed the lizard, make a salad for the lizard. Those can all become... (laughs) Uh, infrastructure uh, style tasks, stuff that I just need to keep doing. And those go on certain kinds of lists, maybe even with repeating lists, because yes, you can have repeating tasks. Remind me to get a haircut every six weeks. Don't worry about it now. Worry about getting it into the system and you will, this will grow with you. You don't need to over-engineer it, but yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a, it's very, very powerful. I just, a lot, I would, of, fields, I'm, a lot yeah. of fields, a lot of fields, a lot of fields. Um, there is so many fields, but the nice thing is, and this is what I found. If you don't need that stuff, yep. 
it's just out of the way. You don't even have to pay any attention to you it. You can turn, you could get this. This is where we start to get into a little bit of perspectives. And a perspective is like a smart playlist or a saved search. So imagine all the things that you got. I love these in BusyCal. I love these. I love filters and in this case, perspectives. Mm-hmm. A perspective is a way of saying, okay, I'm looking at this. Then what am I looking at here? I'm looking at this list configured in a certain way with certain fields, just an innumerable number of things that it can remember up about the settings for what you're looking at. You could choose to have a perspective that is incredibly stripped down, doesn't have, it has exactly one field, which is the name of the task. I believe you could do that and save that as a perspective. You can make this as simple or as complicated as you want because the affordances for quote unquote complication are here does not mean that you should be using them. You should be any more than you don't want all your tools out on the floor all the time. Do what it is that you need to make this work for you. And then once you start getting a feel for it, you're going to have noticed more and more ways to customize this to how your brain works and your life works. Also smart ways to let it be your outboard brain where you can save these various perspectives that say like, for example, show me, um, show me tasks uh, that have been added in the last few days. Show me tasks that need to be completed before thus and such time. Super easy to do all that. Give it a keyboard command. And now you're, you got a stew. Right. A nice stew. What are, you, what are your, um, we can talk more about this, of course. What are your near-term interests and goals for uh, OmniFocus? What is it, what is it going to help help you with uh, in the next couple of weeks? Well, I've been working on a huge, some, <clears throat> some big, really big stuff for Fireside. We've got new plans uh, with a ton of new features. And that's what really pushed me to want to try OmniFocus in the first place, because technically the way I treat a feature, you know, there's, there's a simple feature and a simple feature would be, I'll use an example, like a tracking prefix. So there are a number of services out there that you, you pop a URL prefix. So it, I'll use chartables, uh, as an example, it would be, you know, they have like a shortened URL, but I, I forget what it is off the top of my head, but like chartable.com slash blah, blah, blah. And you need to be able to paste that custom URL. That's going to track your podcasts downloads, even though fireside. Oh, like I do with pod track. Yeah. the same thing with pod track. It's it, you know, fireside does have analytics, but chartable gives you some uh, interesting ways to like compare your show's stats against other shows. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. why you might want both. So for example, you would have to enter that prefix into a field and fireside will take that prefix and prepend it to every download that uh, every download of your MP3 file. And in doing so, it will let you, you know, push your traffic kind of first through chartable and then in, into fireside. So you're going to get both stats. So if you mm-hmm. wanted to do that, you know, that's, so that's a feature. So what's involved in doing the feature? Well, I've got to make a form field that lets you enter in a URL that it has to validate that it's a, a correct valid URL that you've put in there, that it's not just a typo or just a word or something wrong. And then it has to, once that's been validated, it has to put that in front of all of your download URLs and regenerate your RSS feed, et cetera. So, you know, that's a, that's a very short, easy little feature. Mm-hmm. And that, that could probably be broken down into like four or five little tasks and an individual little list. That's an example of an easy one. But then, you know, and honestly, I might not even need to put that into OmniFocus. I might just say, you, oh, you, you know. You're already nailing it because, yes, what you're describing makes total sense. And it's also illustrative of what I think is a very interesting idea, which is you need to decide – Boy, you know, it's so easy to get me started on this. I, I'm so interested in the idea of what I call focal length and thinking about 
how far we zoom in or out and what the trade-offs are of doing that. Yeah. Um, and in this instance, you can decide the, your focal length for OmniFocus. Like, how granular should it be? Well, in my estimation, for the way that I use OmniFocus, there are certain kinds of things where it's ridiculously granular mm -hmm. and other kinds of things where it is necessarily not granular. And I'll give you an example here. Creating a thing, calling it a feature. Well, what does that mean that it's a feature? Well, I still need to work out, like somebody like me, who's a little bit visual sometimes, that means I might want to open something like OmniGraffle, open up some kind of a diagramming app or a mind mapping app and think about things like how the errors would be controlled and stuff like that. Does that need to be an OmniFocus? I don't know. It depends on how you work. Sometimes what you'll need in OmniFocus is your cue to go do work someplace else. In the same way that your email should not be your to-do list, um, OmniFocus uh, does not need to be your canvas. That's right. the place where you are putting a putting a stake in various parts of reality and saying like, "This is this is my beachhead for this particular stake." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can decide how granular you want that to be. I would say once you're at the level of feeling like you're quote unquote doing your work in OmniFocus, you might have gone a little too far. But that's entirely up to you. What you need, though, what I mean, it's an, it's it's the map, not the territory. OmniFocus is in the map, not the territory. Your, right. your work is over here. This needs to be an absolutely accurate and up-to-date map that says you are here. That's that's what it ends up being. And it really is up to you to do that however you want. And so for you, that, that enables you then to come into the office. And if, if, if this happens to be a day you're working on fireside things, that lets you zoom into the kinds of things you want to be focusing on. Yeah, exactly. And then, but then when you have something that very clearly is a bigger project with lots of moving parts and lots of pieces and things that do need to be done in an order, and maybe other people are con contributing to it or collaborating and things like that, then, then you really do want all of these extra features. You really want the estimated duration. You want to, you know, know when it's due and if, when it was completed and absolutely. But, but you're already, you're already getting that this is, these can be very different sorts of things. Like I've said before, uh, it's too, it's putting it too strongly to say that OmniFocus is read-only for me, because that's not true. There, there are legacy things in OmniFocus where I rely heavily on OmniFocus to remind me it's it's time to pay it's time to pay this rent, it's time to pay this bill, it's time to water this plant, like all that kind of stuff. Sometimes very incredibly granular. Um, but but you know I'm gonna put a link in here to the book uh, Getting Things Done because it, it has to come up here. Here's a, there's just so many great innovations in that book. Um, and one of them is the concept of what David Allen calls a look into project. Hmm. And um, so he had, you know, there's all the kind of straight like business guy stuff that you would expect, you know, oh, I'm going to go do this merger and blah, blah, Wall Street Journal and all that kind of stuff. But then you also have these kind of weirdo things. You have, you have context, a context called waiting on, which means I can't do anything about this. So it's a blocking task. But you know what's great is when you do your weekly review. Yes, that's a concept. You go in and pull up all of your waiting on tasks and you see anything that is stalled. Do I have any stalled projects? Which means now for me, does that do, does there need to be another task in here? Like encourage Jareth. Does that need to be uh, a task? Uh, do you follow? So yes. waiting on, but then look into is great too. Um, it's such an innovation, um, you know, mind exploding emoji. Mm. What is a look into project? It means I need to look into this. Okay. Uh, lo look into vacation in France. Well, what's the task for that? I don't know. It's a look into task. So basically look into can be, you know, you could probably sort of equate that to Google this, but it means I need to go find out about something. I just want to go learn about something. There's no physical task to this. This could be purely intellectual curiosity, but it could just be like, why is Bitcoin going up today? I don't know. Look into that. 
You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. so these are all concepts that are that are so important. And when it sounds like that's a little bit floopsy doopsy, well, what David Allen is often trying to do is save you from yourself, save you from thinking you're too goddamn smart. So uh, you know, why would you ever look into project? Just remember to do that. Well, if you remember to do it, it'd be done. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, wh- wh- why do I need a waiting on task? Well, you need a waiting on task because you need to know all the things you don't need to be doing right now. It's so powerful to be able to look at everything I don't need to be doing. Because then that gives me runway to show me all, well, show me the things I do need to be doing. Right. Or let me, let these patterns emerge that show me where the best use of my time and attention would be right now. And that's only, this is so important, Dan and listeners, mm. that really does, you know, apart from the inbox where you can shuck and jive and boogie woogie all you want. It's so important that your, like your calendar, that your OmniFocus projects, tasks, tags, all be in service of stuff that you absolutely intend to be doing and that is up to date through something like a weekly review. You got to work that process because there is no, there is no app that's going to fix these kinds of problems for you. If, you. if you bring your bad habits or weird habits along with you and think that buying a costly app is going to fix it, that's, that's not accurate. Um, it needs to be an honest reflection of what you're actually going to do, right. what you aspire to do. And that can be, it can be great for that. There's still lots of stuff outside Omni. I mean, I still need lots of text files outside of OmniFocus. Why? Because there's all kinds of stuff that just d- is not a task. It's just, I want I came up with this great, I thought of this great lyric last night. I don't know if it'll ever be in a song. Does that go in OmniFocus? No. It goes into a text file called lyrics and song titles run x.md. That's where that goes. It's not a task. It's just the thing I want to remember someday. The winner's not done with me yet. What a great line. It's not a good line. It's a really good one. The winner's not done with me yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I come up with a lot of things like that. Oh, I had a good title too. What was my other title? Oh yeah. Idea for a country song about a, a, a pessimistic alcoholic called The Bottle's Always Empty. It's the not even half empty. It's always empty. It's always empty. Every time he goes to the bottle, it's empty. It's the worst. It's beyond pessimism. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think about it. Did you really think about it? Yes. The winner's not done with me yet. The ocean doesn't <laughs> want me today. Not, uh, they're doing it all at once. I tried to tell that joke, um, the, the pig joke, and I don't think I got it right. Well, how, I mean, you, you can, you're a great storyteller. What could you have done wrong? Well, okay. So part of it is the influence of John Syracuse. John Syracuse not only um, can't tell a joke, I think he doesn't understand jokes. Um, so the phrase that we've come to use on Reconcilable Differences is that John... We'll make a reference to a joke. Mm-hmm. And but he hasn't been, you're... he has not been programmed to understand humor. Well, I mean, he has a learning algorithm. It's just, you know, he has a, 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 a accumulator sink in Pearl. That... Right. So he doesn't tell a joke. He communicates a joke, usually in bullets. And so rather than tell a joke like a person, he'll say, oh, you know, uh, Monty Python, guys next to each other. And the, with the, when he gives him a nudge, you know. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And so my family, who despises me and doesn't like it when I'm talking, I tried to tell the joke to my family. I think to tell the pig joke, you ha- it has to be a little bit of a shaggy dog story. Mm-hmm. If you tell it too fast, it loses its, its impact. Yeah, no, it's got to, you've got to have the listener at some point during the joke say, Something like, d- uh, don't spoil is, it. T- tell me the joke. Tell me, tell me the joke. This, how you is would this going to end? That's what you want them to to say. It's got to like, have a little bit of that because you've got to talk about what this pig has done for your family. Right. And you've got to tell it. You can't tell it. It's got to be like a rule of three thing where the things, this is the incredible things this pig has done for your family. Right. Yeah. And it's I usually mean, three things, right? It, I mean, like it, it saved be, you from a fire. It saved you from a fire. It lifted okay. the. 
All right, let's do it. Let's do the tractor. Okay, let's go back. All right, so how is the pig discovered by, by the stranger? What, what, what happens here? What are we doing? Okay, Help so the joke. way the, the setup is you've got a, a guy driving around. He's lost. He's out in the middle of, uh, of the farms out in the middle of nowhere. And he's driving around. He's a businessman. You know, paint, paint the picture. You want to go into detail. He's got a, does he have a briefcase? You know, whatever. Make it long. He, he sees a lot of stuff in life, but ultimately he's there to, you know, close the sale. He's trying to close some sale. He's a traveling salesman. Why not? And he's out, he's driving around and he's lost. At this point, he's lost. So he, he's just, he's driving through and he sees, you know, cornfields for, for miles and miles and miles. Finally, he's driving and finally gets to the, <clears throat> finally gets to a, to a, a farm that looks inhabited. And this is the first yeah. one he's seen for a while. So of course he, he has to stop to get directions. And if, if you want to stage this as the, in the past before we had GPS, or if you just want to say his, uh, his phone is dead, whatever, whatever makes it interesting. That could be a little detail. I leave that up to the teller of the He's joke. been driving for a really long time and he finally sees a farm and he pulls over and says, boy, I really hope there's a, there's a, there's a, somebody here who can help me. Someone needs to help me because I'm lost. So he drives up, he gets up to the, to the front of the farm and mm -hmm. uh, he, he goes and he sees uh, that there is a, uh, there's a farmer sitting out front. He's sitting on the yep. porch and sitting <laughs> yep. next to him on the ground is a pig. Yeah. And the, uh, the pig has a, a wooden leg yeah. or it's missing a leg. You can see, this is where the joke teller has the opportunity to embellish and, and they can, it, which is more interesting to your audience, a pig that has a wooden leg or Let a pig that shot. has I'm, no I'm, leg. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a shot. Let me take a shot and then I'm going to pass back to you. All right. <clears throat> hey, uh, hey, hey, fella. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a bit lost. I was hoping you'd be able to help me. Uh, well, yeah, sure. What are you looking for? Well, you know, actually, you know, this, this, uh, this piggy guy here, this pig looks uh, looks amazing. It's got it's got like a a, a wooden leg. He says, "How's a how's a pig get a wooden leg?" He says, "Oh, this pig. I think this is where it, where it pivots. Uh, that pig's a hero. Mm -hmm. like, a hero because that you would not believe what that pig has sacrificed for our family. Unbel unbelievable. Our house. We were dead asleep. Dead asleep. There's a gas leak. There's a, and, and the pig comes and wakes us all up and gets us out of the house. Oh man, that's." Sounds like a hell of a pig. He goes, oh yeah, that's nothing. One time the barn was on fire and we were, he was able to come in and he warns us that the barn's on fire. He, he sacrificed so much. I mean, he, he basically risked his life to help us save, you know, all of our, uh, all our seed corn and uh, our, our beautiful majestic horses were all safe. So that's incredible. He goes, oh yeah, yeah. And then one time, you know, um, well, he's so smart. He's really sacrificed so much for us. One time my daughter fell down a well. <laughs> and he was able to run in and let us know. He goes, what is it? What is it? You want something? You want me to follow you? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a kid in a well. And we run. He sacrificed everything. And he goes, well, wait a minute. So how, how do you get the wooden leg? And what, what's the farmer say? Do you want me to do it? You're doing so good. He says, I don't understand. Like, oh, well, so was it the fire or the well? Like, how did he lose that leg? He says, you're right. It's a hero pig. How, how did he lose his leg? He says, well, you know, a pig like that, you don't eat all at once. That's it. You did it. What's, what could be wrong? You did it better than ever. Yeah, that's way longer than my family would listen to me do anything. It's the best rendition of it I've heard. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he says, well. No. I would like to have intercourse with your daughter. No. May I sleep in your barn? No. He says there's three holes in the wall. <laughs> God. Now, that's now where you, you went wrong, I think, Merlin, because that's a different, a whole different That's a different, different salesman. Different yeah. kind of salesman. Yes. Right. A pig like that, you don't eat all at once. Yes. I think it's important to introduce the aspect that this is a beloved member of the family. And I like the hero angle because I think that sets the Yeah, the tone. pig is a hero. Because then you're now, you're, you're, if I had time to tell it better, I, you know, I didn't have time to send you a short joke. 
right? Like uh, Winston Churchill said. So, yeah. so uh, in that instance, I think what you you got to keep getting back to the hero thing because now the listener is wondering. You're saying, oh, you he must have lost his leg in one of these adventures. That's what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. I did not expect that the family was eating him. Mm. He doesn't really tell a joke so much as communicate a joke. So it's it's like he doesn't have the programming to understand humor. He takes it now, off like come a bullet. On. A bullet now that lift. frustrates him when we talk like that. I he don't doesn't know listen how to works. this. No, I know. He'll never hear this. You would literally say <clears throat> anything you want and it will never get back to him. Yeah, but he's got a lot of flying monkeys and presumably AIs. There's probably a lot of people, you know, he's got all these, fan, these I call them flying monkeys, these fans that will report back to him. So he's probably well, got agents. I'm sure you he's got agents. Someone will say something <laughs> and then it'll get back to him and it'll it'll run through his little circuits and he'll say, irrelevant, continue programming. And that's oh, it. It won't even, it won't okay. even, ha- nothing will happen. It won't even register. It doesn't matter. It's mm. automatically discounted. There's a filter that nothing gets through that filter. Nothing gets through that. It's a block. It's a, uh, I call it regex. At, mi- at midnight, all the agents and superhuman crew go out and round up everyone who knows more than they do. It's at like a, all the agents, a permanent m- mute switch, a permanent, permanent wave. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Invisible airways crackle with life. <clears throat> Not a bad song. Love that song. Love that song. Okay, well, um, so for next time, we'll talk if you like more. We have lots of ongoing projects, which I love. Um, the winner's not done with me yet. Boy, that's good. That's good. Um, you could do something with that. I could do could something a, with that. Well, I'm working on, you know, actually, I, I, I have more projects. To, I have a project to talk, talk about projects at some point. I'm working on some new projects and some new ideas and some new thought technologies. And uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I could talk about that too at some point. I'm trying to do some things. I'm trying mm-hmm. to do some little things and I'm trying to pick up some things, little things that I could do each week. Okay. So I saw somebody on Twitter say this the other day and it really inspired me in the true sense of the word. I'm filled with, literally filled with Aristotelian air. And this person talked about how they've had a project for the last year where every week they write a note to a stranger uh, or like, like an author or a musician or something to thank them for something that they've made. Okay. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to caption the New Yorker comic every week. Uh, I'm going to try and produce a, a piece of writing almost every week. And I'm trying to work on little projects like that. I mean, I think that's really, really excellent. Well, we'll see how it goes. See if I pull in any of those LBJQTs. Um, let's button this up. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I love you. (laughs) I love you too, Merlin, man.